Um, I don't know why I'm preaching today. Um, something must have gone haywire because Luke and I planned a long time ago that Josh preaches every holiday. And uh, I'm thinking that maybe you paid him off. Did you pay him off? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, truly, thank you, thank you. It's truly uh, an honor to be able to preach. I've been preaching for pretty much longer than I can remember. And um, it's something that I've never been tired of or never not wanted to do. Uh, it, it truly is an honor. And uh, I thank God that uh, I have been able to do this. I thought it'd be a good idea since we, um, as a church, are memorizing 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Now, that's only 10 verses, and you have a whole year to do it. Now, the problem some of you might have is that the year's half over, and <laughs> I don't know how far, how many of the 10 verses that, that you have memorized, but I thought uh, it, it might be helpful if I preached on uh, these verses, or at least some of them, and it might give a, a more meaning and might encourage you uh, in your memorization. So uh, I decided to preach on 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Uh, Peter talks to us about our salvation. And I think it's very important that we understand our salvation. We need to understand what we have in Christ. It's, it's like so many things that are valuable and important to us over time, if we're not careful, uh, they become uh, taken for granted, a little bit mundane perhaps, and we just don't appreciate uh, a, a lot of things. Uh, you know, in our accident, Becky and I really had, um, really that was the, the most scared I've ever been in my life. And um, it was such a, a relief to be able to walk away from it. And ever since then, I think I've been a lot more thankful. A lot more thankful for Becky, a lot more thankful for our marriage, a lot more thankful for life itself. And uh, I've uh, really enjoyed life since then. And so... Uh, I think sometimes our salvation gets that way. Maybe we take it a little for granted after a while. Maybe we don't appreciate it. And so I hope today uh, you will appreciate your salvation as we work through uh, some of these verses. I'm not going to take the time to read verses 3 through 12. Uh, appreciate Cole for reading that and Tony for reading a passage that we're going to talk about somewhat uh, as well in uh, John chapter 3. Uh, I want to encourage you, however, if, if you have a Bible handy or on your phone or in the, under the chair in front of you or whatever, uh, I think you're going to get a lot more out of this if you will uh, follow along. Uh, I, I use different translations, uh, so don't, don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> you may have the translation I'm using, but uh, the next verse I read, I might be using a different translation. So any, anyway, uh, you'll, you'll get the gist of it. 
So the passage starts off with saying, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he begins. All praise to God. That's why in the introduction this morning, uh, I read Psalm 148, because the whole psalm is about, or no, I, I read the first part of Psalm 145, and now I'm going to read to you Psalm 148. So I want, I want you to listen carefully as I read this passage. Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures at all depths, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. How many times in that psalm did we read the words, praise the Lord? And Pretty much what he tried to do was just cover such a wide range of created beings and created things, but in essence what he is saying, everything, everything that is should praise the Lord, give praise to the Lord. Now, in Luke chapter 19, we read about the story of Jesus making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now remember, this is uh, just soon before he's going to be put to death. And uh, one of the crazy things that we, we notice in, in this section of Scripture is that uh, many disciples, many crowds were gathered around as he entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey and they were shouting Hosanna, they were shouting Lord save us, God save us. They were excited about the coming of Jesus. And of course a few days later they kill him. Shows how fickle people are, doesn't it? But anyway, that's another story. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. His disciples are shouting. The religious leaders of the Jews, this is disturbing to them. They really are envious of him. The crowds don't shout when they enter town. And the crowds don't rejoice uh, for them. And they're even to the point where they're very deeply concerned about the fact 
that so many people are following after him, so many people seem to love him, and they're thinking about maybe losing their status and their place and all these kinds of things. And in fact, there's already been discussions about doing away with him. And so, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice and all, for all the mighty works that they had seen. I wonder, I'm, I'm curious, what would you do if Jesus walked into this room? What would you do? How would you act? Well, I'm hoping that maybe after we fell on our faces, uh, we would jump up and we would start shouting in loud voices and praising the Lord. It amazes me, it truly does, and, and I guess part of it is just some church traditions and cultures and things like that, and sure, I believe with, with all my heart the, the scriptures teach plainly that everything that's done uh, as the assembled church should be orderly and decently and, and no confusion whatsoever, whatever. But I'm telling you, when those disciples lined the street and Jesus is coming by, they weren't so worried about that, were they? And, and, and what happens when we're in a situation you may be, uh, some of you may be uh, some sort of a sports fan or race car fan or any kind of competitive thing. And usually if, if your person that you're pulling for or your team or whatsoever, if, if they win the game or they do something great, you notice how in, in the stadiums full of people, everybody just instantaneously jumps to their feet and shouts, and they clap and they cheer. Yay, that's awesome. You know, do you save any of that for Jesus? I mean, really. So, hey, let's just give it a try. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Use your imagination. And, and don't worry, this isn't going to take more than about 10 seconds. Everybody stand up and use your imagination and just imagine, if you can, that Jesus Christ, Lord of lords, King of kings, and the one who created everything, the one who saved your soul, just walked in the building. Woo! Yay! Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, everybody can sit down. Thank you, thank you. But you get the idea, right? Hey, we are supposed to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything that's made, and especially the greatest creation, should praise the Lord. And so he goes on to say, Peter says, it is by his great mercy that we are born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a, a verse that's just so full and so 
powerful and meaningful to Christians. He reminds us of the great mercy of God. And that should cause all of us to reflect and remember that we, we are in need of mercy because the truth is we have all sinned and we are all guilty. We are all guilty before the holy God of heaven. And were it not for the great mercy of Jesus, were it not for the great compassion of the Father who sent Jesus, were it not for his love and grace and mercy, none of us would have any hope whatsoever. But by his great mercy, he doesn't just say by his mercy, he says by his great mercy, we have been born again. In other words, we have been given new life. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we believe that. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we know there is life from the dead. We know there is life from the grave. We know that even though we were dead in our sins, we can live and we are alive in Jesus. We have been born again. Peter says later in this same chapter, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. We are born again by the living Word. And Peter said that when there wasn't any such thing as a complete Bible. Okay? So what in the world is he talking about? Well, when you read John chapter 1, you know the living word is Jesus, is Jesus. He is life. He is, as we just studied in 1 John, we just wrapped up 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 5, life is in the Son. Life is in Jesus. Eternal life is in Christ. And so even though we were dead, now we are alive, we live. And like I was saying about our car accident, I mean, really, you know, there's a split second, you just, whether it's true or not, there's a split second where this could be death, you know? And I remember when we finally stopped, and I'm all covered with glass and everything, and Becky's screaming, and we just <laughs> looked at each other. <laughs> Just at the same time, we just looked at each other, and there was a great relief. We, we were alive. There's life. And I want you to know today that however bad or messed up you feel your life has become, no matter how far away from God you feel like you are, no matter what death and darkness that you may be living in you can come to Jesus and you can be born again 
you can be given new life, eternal life. James 1.18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. No wonder God made a way for us to have life because man is his prized possession. Man, he made in his own image. And so when man sinned, when man fell, when he left God, God's not going to leave it like that. No, no, no. This is my prized possession. This is my creation. These are the ones I made in my own image. And so he made a way to save us, to deliver us, to rescue us. And that's what the new birth is all about. That's what Tony read in John chapter 3, the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Remember, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Well, you know the, how the story goes. You can almost see Jesus smile and maybe even chuckle to himself and kind of shake his head a little bit. And it's like, man, you don't get it. <laughs> As Jesus starts talking about the wind and talking about the spirit and talking about heavenly things that even though Nicodemus was a religious man, he was clueless. He, he couldn't even grasp what Jesus was saying but we live on this side of all that and we know what Jesus was talking about he was talking about the incredible fact that we have new life in Jesus and it's available to everybody John 1 verse 12 and 13 but to all who believed in him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. A birth that comes from God. God chose you. He made a way for you. He provided the opportunity for you to come to him through Jesus Christ, through obedience to the gospel. So Peter says, now we live in great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. You know, I think this is a topic that we rarely talk about as Christians, our inheritance. You know, my parents, I guess relatively speaking, you could, I'd be safe to say, kind of poor folks. And uh, never had much money. My mother's still alive, but my dad passed away about 18 years ago. And um, I know that my brother and I, whenever my mother dies, there, there's not going to be much of an inheritance. Now, that doesn't bother me. I don't stay up at night worrying about that or anything like that. So it's hard for me a, a little bit. 
I, to even hang on to that concept of inheritance. Now, there are some people, maybe in, in, in very wealthy families, that one of these days, uh, their life could radically change when they are given or they receive an inheritance from a wealthy loved one who passes. Maybe some of you uh, have experienced something like that, and maybe you have a better understanding uh, than I do about an inheritance. But I know some people, and you probably do too, that uh, they don't look very rich now, but we know, boy, they're going to be, you know? And I don't know how that affects people, but it doesn't matter, but I'm going to tell you this much. This inheritance is pretty amazing because, number one, you know, somebody's got to die to receive an inheritance, right? Somebody's got to die for you to get an inheritance, in, in, in most cases. And that's true here. Somebody's got to die. Well, he already died. He died 2,000 years ago, and he lives. He was raised from the dead. But still, somebody's got to die before you get your inheritance. And you know who that is? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. There's got to be a death before receiving an inheritance. And first of all, we've already died because of our sin. We've died spiritually because of our sin. And that's why we need to be born again, born anew. That's why we have a new life. And when we die physically, we're already alive spiritually, but when we die physically, or when Jesus comes, we receive our eternal inheritance. And I'm going to tell you something, when you receive your inheritance, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you are not going to believe it. You can't imagine you cannot possibly imagine what is awaiting you. Peter describes it in this passage of Scripture. After your faith is tested and all that, it's honor and glory and all, all of these things. We, you know, I just have a hard time grasping that. And you probably do too. That I'm going to receive honor and glory and, and, and all of this? Yeah. Yes. You're going to be glorified. You're going to put on immortality. You're never going to die again. You're going to have a life full of what's right and what's good. And there's not going to be anything around to mess it up. And it, it will be glorious. And notice how he describes this. A priceless inheritance. You, you can't put a price on this. You know, today somebody dies and they leave a child, a grandchild, or somebody a bunch of money. Well, okay, you know you're getting X number of dollars, right? You can't put a dollar figure on the kind of thing that we're talking about here. 
Uh-uh. It's far greater than any sort of monetary value. It's kind of like he says later about your faith that's tested and tried in the fire. When your faith is proven genuine, and he says your faith is much more precious than gold. It's much greater value than mere gold. We think about gold as worth a lot. Some of you, how, how much is an ounce of gold worth now? I don't know. Anybody know how much an ounce of gold is? I don't know. But I'm guessing it's somewhere in the neighborhood between $1,500 and $2,000 an ounce. That, that's a big ballpark figure. Now you think about an ounce. One, one ounce of gold is worth that much money. One ounce of gold, if, if you had on this table something that was exactly one ounce of gold and then you had a stack of dollar bills next to it, it'd be, be pretty impressive, wouldn't it? That's how much that's worth. Well, Peter says, your faith is worth much more than that. Your faith is worth more than gold. So the inheritance that we receive, we have this inheritance because we are in Christ, Ephesians 1.11. In him, we've obtained an inheritance. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then he says that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is part of a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. I'm praying for you, he says, that God will give you a spirit of, of revelation and understanding that you can see, that you can get it, that you can grasp just how rich and priceless and amazing the inheritance that God has for you is. Y'all, if that's not encouraging, I don't know what could be. This is so encouraging. And that's why Peter wrote it. That's why he wrote it. That's what he says later in the book. I wrote this to encourage you. Why did they need encouragement? Because they're going through some hard times. That's why. Yeah. Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. You know, that phrase there might be more encouraging and might be worth more to some of you than anything else you hear today. Cheryl, I'm so glad you're here today. Good to see you. I cannot imagine what Cheryl's going through. I just, I have no concept, 
no clue. I can't relate to that. There are others of you, there are some in this room that are caretakers. And you've been a caretaker for someone for a long time. You have no idea what a caretaker goes through and lives through until you've been one. You have no idea. There are people that suffer great heartache, sadness, stress. There are all kinds of things we deal with in life. And that's what he's talking about. God, God's going to take care of you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're dealing with, God is powerful. Remember now, this is the one that spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. This is the one that said, let there be light. And he opened up his mouth and light flashed at 186,000 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean a second, a second. 186,000 miles a second just because he said it. Wow. What a God we serve. And I, no matter what I'm going through, you, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what your struggles, no matter what your pain, no matter what your worries, no matter what your fears, you are kept by the power of God. Whoa, 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 don't get, hang on, back up, back up, back up. How are you kept by the power of God? Through your faith. Through your faith. You know what faith is? Trust. Faith is is trust. So basically, Peter says in verse 9, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. There's a lot about this salvation. But before you receive it, you got to go through the trials. There's many trials. But take heart, it's only going to be for a little while. That's what he said. It's only going to be for a little while. And I know if you're sitting there and you're 25, 30 years old, you can't relate to that. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're my age and older, you will be amazed at how fast time goes by. It's going to blow your mind. I bought a little plaque that said, I thought getting old would take longer. Yeah, I really did. I, I, I truly, I, I remember for a long time I thought, man, if you're 50 years old, you are old. <laughs> I can barely remember 50. Anyway, 
these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Is he out of his ever-loving mind? Are you serious? James, are you serious? Well, Peter said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Why me? Why me, God? Why would you let this happen to me? What's wrong with, something must be wrong with you, God. Hey, remember, remember me? You can't let this happen to me. Why am I having to go through this? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad. No, no, no. Be very glad. Well, these guys have lost their marbles. I don't know what else you can say about James and Peter, but these, they must be nuts because they're telling us that when we go through great trials, we should be happy about it. Folks, I'm telling you that's the upside-down kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what that is. These trials, listen, listen to what Peter goes on to say. These trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. We better read that about 10 times. <laughs> Don't you think? This is one you're going to take home with you. Take home this passage and spend some serious meditation time on this one. You'll read something almost just like this in Philippians chapter 3 where the Apostle Paul talks about praying for himself that he would relate to the sufferings of Christ. So we got Peter, James, and John, all three, telling us the same thing. And no, they're not nuts. They have wisdom from above. They were guided by the Holy Spirit when they wrote these things. These things are true. Do you believe it? We need, we need to give a, a series of about ten sermons on faith. We really do. Do you believe it? Do you believe what you read? But here's the thing. We don't have a whole lot of trouble believing what we read, but boy, we have a hard time believing it when we're living it and going through it. That's when it's hard. Yes, that's when it's hard to be a believer in these words when we're going through it. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Man. So, even though you've never seen him, because of everything... Peter's just said everything we just talked about. You love him. You love him. And he said, you trust him. And you rejoice. 
There's our response to Jesus. There's our response to God's plan. There's our response to 1 Peter chapter 3, I mean chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. There's our response to everything that Peter said. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you no matter what is happening, and we rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That's how we live our life. The kind of joy that God hears this sermon right now and he just decides in the middle of the summer in Dallas, Texas, he's just going to pour down rain. Isn't that awesome? Come on up, praise team. I'm done.